Welcome to Is My Board Ready Yet? My name is Jason Andre, and I'll be taking you into the sheds of local and legendary surfboard shapers from around the world. We'll be talking foam, fins, and folklore, so put on your dust mask, and please stop asking. Hey, is my uh, board ready yet? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Is My Board Ready Yet? I am extremely honored and stoked to have a very special guest on for my first podcast, and that's because he is my first surfboard shaper. Scott Busby of In The Eye Surfboards has been hunkered down in Buxton, North Carolina since the early 70s. And in 1988, when I moved to the Outer Banks from Chicago with my family, I was fortunate enough to basically be right next door to Natural Art Surf Shop. And at that time, his shaping and glassing shed was literally across the street in an old gas station. And so for my developmental and formative years as a surfer, I had access to arguably one of the best underground legendary shapers on the East Coast. I remember spending a lot of time just hanging out in the Kwanzaa hut that eventually got built back behind Natural Art Surf Shop. I would go back there and watch the guys glassing and laminating and polishing and fixing dings and was always super fascinated by the whole process. And eventually that led to me shaping my own boards, which is kind of why we're here, because I recently started picking up the planer again and mowing some foam of my own and carving out a couple boards and started having these conversations again and comparing notes with friends of mine that are shapers and talking to Scott about fin placements and foam choices and glass choices and resin tints and all that cool stuff and the magic that goes into surfboards. If you missed the prologue episode, that's fine. It's just me talking about my history and inspiration and why I decided to do this podcast. But without further ado, I'd like to welcome Scott Busby of In The Eye Surfboards. He just happened to be passing through Wilmington on a cold, rainy February day on his way home from Charleston. And we sat down for lunch at a local pizza place, and they closed off the back room for us, so we were able to distance ourselves, I guess, from everybody else. But it was really cool being able to actually just sit down face-to-face and share a meal and share stories about growing up in the Outer Banks, as well as how he got there, how he developed his business, and his take on surfboard design. So, here we go. I no longer want to wander alone. So, welcome to the first edition, first episode of Is My Board Ready Yet? the podcast dedicated to shapers locally and abroad. And I'm super excited to have my very first shaper ever in my entire life when I was 10, I think. Made my first board, uh, Scott Busby from Buxton, North Carolina, makes in the eye surfboards. And um, not going to give too much away, but welcome to Wilmington, Scott. Pleasure to be here. Tell me a little bit about where you're originally from and 
when you started shaping and how you ended up in Hatteras? Well, um, I grew up in Cocoa Beach, uh, Cocoa Beach, Florida, and we were building uh, natural arts down there for a little bit. And my friend Greg Lore, who I've been friends with since high school, he came, went to Hatteras, I want to say probably 73, something like that. Worked on a garbage truck, you know, like everybody did at that time because that was the best job to have because you went to work at 3 a.m. in the morning and you were done by about 6. So, you uh, you know, had to all day to, all day long to surf. A lot, of, if you, all, a lot of the old guys all worked at the garbage truck there. But anyways, he... Uh, he came up there and he said, he said, man, the surf is so good. You know, it's really the best surf on the East Coast. We got to move the factory up there. And so he talked me and Pete and the other guys to, uh, to move the factory up to Hatteras. And we recruited Tommy Moss and, and Richard Price. They came out and worked uh, and, and George Easley and everybody. And we came out to Hatteras. We started that factory down there. It was in, would have been 70 years. Yeah, it would have been 75, we did it. And so we had the factory there, worked all summer. Everything was really good. Well, Hatter's a pretty different place in uh, 75 than it is now. And um, some of the guys' wives, they just they just didn't like Hatteras at that time. And, you know, it was okay in the summer, but, you know, you start spending a winter and you, you're a girl from Florida and you spend a winter in Hatteras and it's like, it's a different story. And so they... Uh, the, the decision was made that they were going to move the operation back to uh, back to Florida at the time. So I went back with them and, and I told Pete, who was my partner at the time, I said, look, Pete, I'll, I'm, I'll go back with you and I'll do the laminating and stuff. And uh, But I'm just going to stay the summer and that's it. And then I'm going to move on and do something else. I just, and, and it's not that I don't like Florida. It's nothing against Florida. I just, I grew up there. And I didn't want to be there at that time. But you know, I wanted, better, yeah, I wanted to be, I wanted to be somewhere <laughs> wait, else, you wait. know. Uh, yeah, I did, I did my stint there, and uh, Carol um, and I went to, we went to Hawaii, and we, you know, we had talked about maybe possibly moving to Hawaii or something, but it just didn't really work out the way we thought it would. Where in Hawaii did you go? I didn't, we were on the North Shore. Okay. So uh, we were the North Shore in in the uh, like November. October, November, December of, uh, of 75. And we made the decision then to, we were going to go, go back to Hat, just move back to Hatteras. And, uh, we did. And it was 1976. So we moved back there in January and I was actually just going to get a job working with a friend, Rob Fincham or something doing carpentry or whatever. We just wanted to go back to Hatteras. We liked it there. And, uh, <clears throat> the opportunity rose itself to start up the shop. So we did. The rest is history, I guess. Cool. And what year was that? That would have been, well, it was, it was 76. Well, 76. it would have been 77. It was January of 77. Okay. We were, we were there, so. And I didn't move to Hatteras until I was eight years old. So that would have been 88. Yeah. And at that time, you had a shaping shack glassing shed across the street from yeah. the motel where my parents and that was where the original were. shop was oh, cool. at that time yeah that's where we, and and actually we i had the little we had a little place in the back that we glassed and did some stuff in at the time but okay. uh we had that's where we had the original shop and then and then when we moved out of that shop and built the, the newer place it, that's we turned that whole place into the factory for a while and then eventually it, we had to move out of that place and 
it's been moved around several times since then. Were you ever down in Hatteras Village? Yeah, we had a place down there in Hatteras Village with natural art. And, okay. And that was the original. Yeah, original. that was the original place we had. We had the factory oh, in there. Yeah. Cool. Where it was in where um, the building's not not up anymore, but it was uh, Sandy Bay Gallery for a while. That place. Cool. And so now you're you're in Buxton. You're right in the heart of it. Why did you start shaping? Like you, you mentioned Rich Price, who was kind of who I always imagined was like the shaper for natural art surfboards. And you mentioned Greg Lore, but like, how did you get involved with that? When did you actually start shaping? And then, well, I, I, I didn't shape till really till I moved to Hatteras. Oh, so you were just laminating. Yeah, I was just, I was lam, I was, I was building boards and I, I had shaped a few when I was, you know, like everybody when you're starting out doing a couple of homemade ones and, and stuff. And, and I had met like this guy, Rick Holt, um, down there in, in, in Cocoa beach. And we did a few boards together and, um, Pete Dooley met him and a lot of the other guys were shaping. And, and at the time everybody was, you know, I want to be a shaper. I want kind of like it is now. I just want to be a shaper. I just want to be a shaper, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so I was, I was happy to glass them, you know, and I got pretty good at glassing and, and knew how to do all the other stuff. And, and so, you know, my, I just said, yeah, I'll glass, you know, I don't care. And, and, and it was, it was fun to do. So I did a lot of glassing and learned a lot about glassing and everything, but I was, I was around all these guys shaping all along. It was actually, um, my friend Lynn Shell and this guy, Mike Ryan, who were, who were working with me at the time. And just like everybody, they were, we were getting boards shipped up from Florida and stuff for them, but they were like going, I want you to shape me when I'm just going, I don't know how to shape, you know, I said, <laughs> I can glass it and sand it and I can do everything to it, but I've never really shaped that many. And they're going, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And, uh, That's cool. And so I, I, you know, they said, you know, so I did, did one or two for them and it just kind of, that's just the way it became, you know, it turned into that. And that was, right on. my original thing was to keep doing some natural arts with them. But you know, the guys that not repeat at natural art, he said, no, we, I'd really like to keep it just down here. And I said, okay. And so I'm, you know, came up with my own light label on it. And voila, in the eye surfboards is born. Cool. And so how did Lynn enter into the picture? Because he, he has, he worked for HIC and he's got shell shapes. Oh, that, but that, I remember- was much, that was much later. Okay. Yeah. After, after that, because Lynn, how did you guys meet? He, you know, he, came, he was one of those guys from Virginia that came down to Hatteras all the time, you know, okay. and it used to be, it's a little different. It used to be a lot, lot different then than it is now. How you know? so? <laughs> well, you get guys that would, you know, it was like, there was a whole crew of guys that would come down every it was Friday afternoon, boom, they're down there, you know, and, and they'd be stay through Sunday, Sunday night. And it didn't matter what the surf was like from Virginia, you know, it was going to be better in Hatteras than it was in Virginia. So these guys were all down there yeah. and surfing and stuff. And, and you just got to meet a lot more of them and, and know them that way. But, um, I, I, I known Lynn a little bit and I'll tell you a story how I kind of, uh, got to know him. He was, he had his Volks, he always had a Volkswagen. He was in the Volkswagen at the time. And he came in the shop and we started talking. And he said, we were just talking, I don't you know, just talking whatever. And I think he wanted, he said, uh, he had a, his board on a car and we were talking. He was showing me this board he had brought back from, from Florida. I forget which, where he'd gotten it or something. We were sh- talking about it, showing him. He put it back on the roof of his car and forgot to, forgot to uh, 
strap it down. Classic. <laughs> Classic mistake. <laughs> and, and, you know, drove off and boom, blew off the car or something. He came back and he's just like, oh, I can't believe this. Like, you know, I'm going to get you to fix it or something like that. And I said, well, just, he, he wanted to go surfing or something like that. And he, he drove off again and forgot to strap it down a second time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, that's good. So that's just how it, and I guess, you know, I don't know, that kind of set it off. And we just, we've become lifelong friends ever since then. And he ended up, you know, he said he wanted to, you know, work and learn how to do some stuff. So he worked with me in the shop and then, and he, he lived with Carol and I went, lived with us for several years. You know, when, once we built the, uh, he helped us, me and Rob and, and Lynn, we built the shop that we're in now. Oh, cool. And then, uh, and Lynn, he, he worked in the shop with me for three or four years, you know, he was like right-hand guy and I taught him how to glass and and do stuff and work on boards and and everything like that and then you know but like everybody they grow and they move on and want to do something you know he's he's wanted to go start doing his own thing and yeah and he uh he had a girlfriend and she didn't like Hatteras, like so many <laughs> girls. And, I mean, Hatteras so is brutal up, in the winter yeah. anyway, but I can imagine back in the 70s, it was like, you're. it's like COVID 2020. You're just at home with the same person all uh, winter. Yeah. <laughs> That's kinda. pretty much it. Well, they always talk about Hatteras and uh, in, it's, uh, it's uh, BC before cable. <laughs> 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 before it's, the one stoplight yeah it's so uh you know it's uh it's it was a different place back then not that it was bad it's just different yeah did you did um, you like it back then like was I mean, it I was it pretty it. peaceful no, no i liked it yeah, yeah you know i liked it i still like it now it's still for some people that's why i tell a lot of people that are always like i'm gonna move here i'm gonna move here i'm saying you need to spend spend a couple winters here before you yeah say you need to pay your here. dues and make sure you I can survive know, i don't know so <laughs> paying your dues but it's just it's it's a great place, but it's not for everybody. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's funny. But uh, so, anyways, no. Lynn, Lynn lived. You know, he was my. He was our roommate with Carol and I for for many years, and and did that. And then he he kind of went on, you know, do, to do his own thing. He he went moved back up to Virginia Beach for a while and was working, and and fell in with the guys at Town and Country doing some repping. And, and see, he had met a lot of these people working for me in the store, you know, the other re- sales reps and stuff coming through. So mm-hmm. he had met these people, he had contacts and, and he had become friends with them through the store and stuff. And, and, uh, and then he ended up working at WRV, doing some shaping for WRV when he was up in Virginia beach. And then cool. ended up back in Nags Head doing it all. And now he's, he's gone on and opened Outer Banks Boarding Company and moved on and, you know, still does his own boards and, and now we're distributing blanks together still. So we've been lifelong friends for a long time. That's really cool. Was there, so like when I was a kid growing up in Hatteras, there was always somewhat of a rivalry between guys from Virginia Beach coming down. And it wasn't like a competition thing because like we didn't really have anybody competing. But like when the Virginia Beach plates started showing up, there were certain individuals who definitely through through a couple punches when things got a little out of order and i remember hearing as a kid stories of guys like andy bowers taking bites out of people's surfboards that was more that was fuji. watching that was fuji that, that, Rick, that, that wasn't Pell andy that wasn't andy lose his mind on people because they weren't <laughs> paddling in the right place to get out of his way i don't remember rick being that bad but um there were a few guys henry and some of them guys, Henry White and stuff. <laughs> so was that rivalry but there? That, I mean, time? that that rivalry's been there forever. 
Um, I mean, even when Lynn, like I said, when Lynn first started coming down, I mean, and this was before they, they were coming down before I ever went there. And, and Lynn talks about, and it's the same old, it's the same old story. It, it happens yeah. everywhere. You know, I mean, the guys come down from Virginia beach and the girls there in Hatteras are like, Ooh, you know, <laughs> I don't, Fresh I'm meat. T- yeah, I'm tired of all, I'm tired of all these guys here. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So so there, you know, of course, they like, you know, the guys coming down from Virginia Beach are like, oh, there's Classic. a cute girl, you know, from Hatteras, you yeah. know, so and the girl clings to them. And then the guys and, you know, the guys from Hatteras are like, I want to go beat those guys up, you know, they're <laughs> so stealing. It wasn't even our, about the waves. Yeah, yeah, it's not even, they want to go beat oh, the, you know, on, you and, and Lynn talks, you know, Lynn tells me stories of Hot, hot Wheels and stuff, uh, you know, them, you know coming to the van and come on out, we're going to kick your ass, you know, <laughs> and stuff. And, you know, guys are trying to sleep in their van at night and they're oh, rocking the van awesome. and, and all that stuff like that. <laughs> the SWAT crew. Yeah. Was, it, was that the SWAT crew? Yeah, that was part of surfing weirdos, attack team. Oh, yeah. That, that was. <laughs> so, awesome. I mean, yeah, there was always a couple guys that, and, you know, and I guess there still is sometimes today, but not not really like it was. That's for sure. It's It's definitely... Over time, it's definitely mellowed out. I mean, but you you look at Puerto Rico, you know. I mean, I remember going down there and a long time ago, and it was all the only people that surfed were the people that were coming down from the States to go surfing. And then once the local Puerto Ricans started surfing, then for there was a period there for about 10 years where everybody got kind of aggro and they didn't want any, all the people coming down. But then it took a little time, but it mellowed out, and now they're just kind of, it, it's, you know, they're all in one. Everybody's Pretty much friends. everybody's friends again. You, you know what I mean? And it's just a little mellower. So it works out. That's cool. So you kind of mentioned this, but like when you started shaping, were you looking up to or taking like, would you consider Greg Lore one of your mentors or? Oh, definitely. Greg and Pete. Pete Dooley and, and Greg Lore would be who probably I, I learned the most from as, as far as that goes. I mean, and I mean, because I was around, I mean. And I was glassing. I was around Pete shaping all the time, you know. Then, then when Greg came in, I was around him, you know. And and Pete quit shaping, but but Greg started shaping, you know. And it would have been would have been Greg that, that really taught Richard how to shape because Richard, when Richard was working with us, he was just he was the polisher. Oh wow! He, that was the only thing he did. He polished, and that was it. So just like anything, he just Move moved up the ladder, up. you know. As 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 time we time went on, said, look, I'm tired. I I need more than just polishing. It's the same with me, you know, eventually you need more than just glassing or whatever and you want to do whatever. But I was talking about this with someone the other day, you know, glassing was, was great and I liked it. And, but I realized at one point in time too, that, you know, I didn't want to just glass over and over and over again yeah. every single day. You yeah. know, it, it was got to be like, you know, Monday you do so many sides. On Tuesday you do so many sides. On Wednesday you do so many sides. On Thursday you do so many sides. On, yeah. And and it's 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 a great way to learn how to do it all. Yeah, you know, you but, get good at it. it. You do, but it it at some point in time you go, well, that's this is good, but and for you know for me anyways, it was like I need a little more variety in my yeah. life. Yeah, and so you know, it it worked out good. You know, I get time to shape, I get time to glass, I get time to sand, I get time to do dings. I, I work in the shop. I I do something different every day. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not the same routine. All it's not that it, not that I don't work. It's but it's not the same routine. Yeah, day in and day out. It seems like you know, aside from obviously seeing you surfing, it seems like you were always working. Like there was always something to do. There was always something that 
needed to be done. And something else that you do that I was always very impressed with was your airbrushing skills. Like that is a art form in and of itself as well. And uh, how did you pick that up? Like, where did that come from? You know, it's, it's weird. Like I, I was listening, I was actually listening to a podcast a couple months ago and they were interviewing Pat Rawson. And I know Pat a little bit, but in, in what he was talking about was he used to be a pinliner before he shaved. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, so he, you know, and, and I, and I talked to him about it later and, and, and I said, you know, I think, I think because I was a glasser and I had to tape off at, at the time. I mean, now everything's free laps or whatever, but at the time everything had to be taped off. Mm. So I had to learn how to tape and I had to learn how to follow everybody's curves and to, and I had to learn how to do it. And so I learned how to see curves because if, if the shaper that brought me a blank and there was a, there's a bump in that blank and I'm laying an even curve on it. Do you go with the bump or do you go with the curve? It stands out like a sore thumb, <laughs> yeah. you know, to And most people don't see it, but to me, I can see that the flow of the curve and the flow of that curve is interrupted. Mm. And I know, and it was probably the same type thing with Pat, you know, where, because you're taping and you're doing pin lines and you're following the curve and you, and you learn how to see curves doing stuff like that. So I think it really, it doesn't help with the mechanics of shaping, but it helps with the sight of, of seeing, of, of learning how to see curves. Cause in a surfboard, everything, I mean, the bottom, the rails, everything is a constant curve. There's, there's no flat spots in any of it. So I think it really helps you as far as that goes. That's really cool. So when I was in high school, well, going back, when I was younger, probably middle school, I remember looking up to guys like Waylon Jeanette and Justin Brown, and they were like, for lack of a better term, your team guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the yeah. guys you made boards for. Yeah. And, you know, the guys that actually surfed in contests or little ESA contests. But to me, like they were, they were the, the, the gods, the lords of, of the surfing Hatteras yeah. Island, you know, the, looking back at videos in my adult life, like we were all just wiggling around. <laughs> you still are. Anything. Still are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I remember, I remember they were like in, in high school, you had um, job day, job fair. Yeah. Go yeah. to work with your mentor day. And yeah. I remember them like, going to sit in the shaping bay with yeah, you. And I was like, yeah. that is genius. And then they go surfing. <laughs> yeah. So when I was in high school, of course, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life yet. Um, so I was like, I'm going to go sit in the shaping bay with Scott and then we're going to go surfing. This is going to be awesome. So I remember the first time walking into your shaping room and it was like walking into like the sacred holy ground, like the, the dome, the lights, the, the, just the, the ages of little bits of foam dust kind of tapering on the walls and all the cool tools. And um, I think at that time you just had like a little AM FM radio in there. Might have. Or a weather radio, yeah. probably weather crystal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we listened to for entertainment back then. Uh, but it was, it, was, it was really cool. It was like a pretty special uh, moment for me because these are where my boards are being made. These are where everybody, essentially almost everybody in Hatteras Island boards are being made. And so standing in that corner, you know, was the first experience I had with shaping with you. 
and getting to watch that process and getting to like ask questions and you know rule number one you can always take more foam away but you can't ever put it back yeah, like that's, that that's rule number one <laughs> every time i do anything whether it's woodworking or surfing like that it that just plays over in my head um and i still screw up but it was it was a really really cool experience yeah. and so i thank you for that as shaping as surfboards progressed throughout the decades were you ever trying to do your own, create your own style? Or were you basically just making things when people are like, oh, Kelly Slater has carbon stripes on his board. I want carbon stripes on my board. Or I want to, I remember asking for stupid crap all the time. Like, I want a flip tip. And you're like, what's a flip tip? Well, <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> whether you like it or not, we're, we're um, you know, yeah, everybody would like to design their own stuff. And, and they're are a few people lucky enough to be able to do that. But for me, if you're doing custom surfboards, you've got to do what the people want you to do. Mm. And if everybody wants us, you can talk to them about it and you can try to get them to do something else or whatever, or try to set them in the right direction. But if they're dead set on a six, six, it's 18 inches wide or whatever with a flip tip, there you got to do it for them <laughs> you know that's just the way it is you know you can't you, you can't change that but you can't change what people want and most people are influenced by like whoever the hot people that are riding or whatever the hot thing yeah. is but it's actually a pretty good time right now in surfboard building because because yeah back in the 90s i mean i think you know how it was. I mean, everything was just 18 inches wide or less. I think, I and think mine were like 17 inches wide. Yeah, whatever. I mean, <laughs> that was stupid. all any, I did. Every, every board I did was was just like that. Mm. And Were you like mowing foam going like, damn it, I, this no, is stupid. No. I, sh I should just add some extra foam here for them. Well, sometimes you think that, but. Did you ever do it? No. I, I always <laughs> try to do whatever whatever somebody wants. I, you uh -huh. know, I mean, that's what I like to do is do custom boards. So I like yeah. to I like to please the customer. You okay. know, if that's what he wants, that's what I'm gonna he or she wants. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. But um, but it's a good time now because it's so much is there's so much variety out there right now, and you know, I look at like Joey Crum and stuff. You know, Joey Crum he rides that fish and. Waves. I'm just going. What are you thinking of taking this fish out here in these kind of waves? You know, yeah. and he'll yeah, ride I remember it and, he paddled and ride out it and do it. You know, and pipeline on like a five eight fish or something. Well, yeah, second you know, reef and, one morning. And so sometimes I'm just like, you know, but it, it's a good time because there's such a variety in what people are willing to accept right now. Mm. And, you know, whether there's still guys that want to ride shortboards and there's still guys and there's guys that want to ride fishes and there's guys that'll ride fun shapes and, and put different fins on them and, and longboards. And, and, and even in longboards, there's it first when longboards came back into style, everything was a modern longboard and that was it. But now there's guys that want modern longboards and they want the old school longboards. They want, so it, we're doing such a variety of stuff. And as far as me for shaping, it's, it's good. You know, it, it's definitely yeah. way more interesting. Yeah. That's you know, cool. doing different stuff all the time than just doing, the same thing over and over and over again. I mean, I still enjoy shaping and I still enjoy doing the whole board final product. It's, it's, for me, it's not just shaping. It's, it's the board itself. It's, it's the whole, the whole thing.
Cool. And going back to that that comment you made about variety, like doing something different every day. Well, yeah. Now you're shaping something different every day too. Yeah, so so that it makes it a lot more in it. And I think you refreshing. end up learning a little more. Hmm. You know, you, you, you what's know? the newest thing you've learned? You've been shaping for how many years now? I don't know. You just, but I'm just, you just learn a little bit more in, in designs and, and blanks and things. It's hard to say. I, yeah. I've been shaping for too long. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So over the years, you've shaped for a lot of different people. Is there a favorite person that you like to shape for? Yourself, maybe, or your wife? Mm, not really. I just enjoy shaping them, you know? It doesn't matter. I don't have any favorites or anything, anything like that. I do, like I said, you know, I, I always like shaping for Joey mm. because he was so willing to just do something different. Not like me, like make me another 6-0, yeah. squash tail. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, I, but, but, but it wasn't, but I don't favor him over anyone else, but I always did enjoy, you know, shaping boards for Joey because he always liked something different, you know? He was willing to accept something different if, yeah. you, if you wanted it and if you wanted it. So it was always fun to shape for Joey, but you know, I, I enjoy shaping for everyone. Not, I don't have a favorite. It doesn't matter. I just like doing it. Did you ever, uh, did you ever have anybody that gave you good feedback? Like, were there people that you really looked to for R and D? I remember watching, going back to like Justin Brown, seeing him on the floor in the back with you going over a shape. He's like, I kind of like this, kind of don't like this. Did you have people like that throughout? Because some people would just be like, yeah, this is awesome. I love this board. But then did you have people that were like very critical and would critique you in constructive ways? All the time. Well, Lynn and I probably ran stuff back and forth quite a lot, Hmm. you know, because we surf together a lot all the time. And we always talk about it. It's funny how it's surfing is so individual. I mean, it really is. And you know, and Lynn and I are, we, I'm a little taller than him, but, you know, we're about the same. He's a little lighter than me, but we're pretty soon. We could ride the same boards pretty much. And, and sometimes I would make him a board and he'd be like, ah, oh, this board's okay, you know, whatever. And so I'd get on it and ride it and I'd be, man, this board's great. You know, I can't believe you don't like this board that much. You go, oh, yeah, it's okay. And he'd, he'd take my board and he'd go, oh, I love this board, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's really, you know, but everybody, everybody's a little bit different, you know. But yeah, we work together a lot on a lot of things. Probably still do learn a little bit from each other. And Lynn would go to Hawaii a lot in the winter, and he he used to work with with Haytor Fernandez out there. So he'd learn pick up stuff from him and just different things and meet different people. And I picked up things from little things from people all the time. And it's hard to pinpoint one thing, but you learn one little thing here and one little thing there that that just changes things. Yeah, that's cool. So. I feel like this is still relevant today, but I remember when Clark Foam shut down, you were doing things that not many other people were doing, at least not in like mass production, like the vacuum bagging, going to EPS, putting on that high density foam, uh, dual rail bands, dual rail stringers. Uh, well, a lot of that talk was... Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, a lot of that was th- um, through my friendships with Greg Lore, who who, you know, we, like I said, we've been lifelong friends and, and he, he pioneered a lot of the, a lot of that EPS epoxy stuff, but also I'm good friends with Don Bowers, who is good friends with Greg Lore now too. And, and a lot of that stuff. And Donnie got into the sailboard thing. He kind of, we surfed together a lot at one point in time. He worked for Fox, but we've stayed, again, we've stayed lifelong friends. And, but he, 
he kind of got out of surfing for a while, but got into windsurfing. And it's really the windsurfing technology, you know, because the boards were so big, that kind of fostered the, the EPS epoxy thing is mm. where it came from. So being, a, and Greg got into the windsurfing thing too. And so that's where all the, the EPS epoxy came from was from the windsurfing technology. And at first it was kind of like, everybody's going, well, you know, yeah, you don't really need it for a surfboard. And, and it was, it was adding quite a bit of cost to the, to the price of a surfboard. And there was a lot of resistance to, okay. to go, to go, well, I can make this board lighter and, and stronger, but it's going to cost you another $200 and everybody would be like, nah, no, yeah, you no. know, I'm, I'm good with this, you know? But, um, so a lot of that technology was around and, and people were doing it before that. It just, it just didn't really take off Yeah. for whatever reason it yeah. might've been. But yeah, when Clark shut well, it sounds down, like cost, like that was it. A lot of it probably was, was cost, but it, and, but it was a lot more work too. Yeah. I mean, it still is a lot more work to do, to do some of that. You know, when Clark shut down and all of a sudden, it seemed like all of a sudden alternative methods became acceptable where before they weren't really quite accepted. Yeah, because otherwise you're just not going to get a board. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. But but then when the alternative methods became acceptable and all of a sudden it became okay to do that. But, you know, in all fairness, I mean, we talk about it, but Clark had that, that kind of grip on the surfboard industry. And there were a lot of people that, that tried to do alternative things, but if, if he, if he, found, if Clark found out you were doing alternative stuff, he just cut you off. Mm. I mean, that, that's true. I mean, Greg had two blanks that he had molds that he had shaped for, for Clark foam that people were using. And, and, and Larry Pope, Greg, they're good friends. Larry ran the Clark warehouse in, in, um, in Florida there. And when Greg was working in Florida, he was doing still shaping urethane foam blanks, but he was experimenting quite a bit with, with the epoxy, you know, he had gotten really into it. Like making his own. Yeah. Making his own and doing the technology. And he had gotten really into it. Well, Gordon Clark came out to the East coast one time to, you know, just checking with Larry and all. And he, they go over and he sees Greg doing all this epoxy stuff using EPS foam. And he said, Greg doesn't get any more foam. Just like that. And what? he went back and he, he broke up those molds. He took those blanks that were that Greg shaped out of his catalog. Well, and Greg was like, well, okay, I'm, I'm learning about this. I'm kind of liking this better. Yeah. And so he, it, he was forced into wow. doing this. And, and so he brutal. did, he, but that's the way he ran his business, you mm. know, and that's, you know, and it was, and so people, some people were, were afraid to do other things like that. It was like, they, yeah. they couldn't, they did go, I can't, you know, I'd, I'd like to try some of this, but if, if I can't, wow, you know, so, so, you know, when all that hat went down, it was, um, good. It was, it was <laughs> I think it was good. Do you miss the, the industry in the long, in like, the, do you um, miss, I mean, like they were using like know, certain honestly, rockers and certain will, ingredients. Like, do you notice a difference today? Yeah, and actually, and and this is and this is what happened, and I and I, in my opinion, anyways, um, the you had okay, you had Clark Foam. He pretty much had a monopoly on on the surfboard industry within the United States, anyways, with the foam. And um, you know, when he closed this thing down, 
And I and I I get it. I understand a lot of the reasons why he did, but when he closed down, there's this there was this huge scramble to fill the void. Mm. I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, internationally, you know, right? Because internationally, like everybody right. was getting yeah. We filmed they brought blanks in from Brazil. They you know they were bringing blanks in from Brazil, from South Africa, from Australia. People were getting blanks anywhere they could. Um, Walker Foam, who was had still been doing a few blanks here and there, had a very small operation going. They tried to gear him up really strong again and, and do all this other stuff. But you had probably about, you know, you had Warville here in North Carolina trying to, to, to build blanks. You had all these people just trying to fill that void. It was like, wow, there's a, a huge opportunity here. Mm. And, and nobody was really versed in, in it that well, except for the people that were doing it overseas some, somewhere. I mean, there's just not that many people in the world that know how to build surfboard foam. It's, right. a, very, it's a highly guarded secret. Yeah. There was probably about 10, 15 people trying to fill this void. And like anything else, the cream rose to the top. Mm. And, you know, now you've got Arctic and you've got Millennium and you've got the, the U.S. foam, which the U.S. foam consists of the ex-Clark employees who, you know, knew how to do it, knew, knew how to do it. They started up again um, on their own and did the U.S. foam. And then the Arctic is, is, um, was Midget Farrelly's foam from Australia Mm. They started importing, but they started making them here. And eventually they've separated from that and become their own, their own entity here in, in the U.S. Cool. And then Millennium. And I'm, honestly, I don't know where, how Millennium came from. But, but so you had about 15 and it's basically boiled down to three. Wow. And, but now there's a little more competition in the market. And I'm not saying Clark didn't ever try to improve his, his stuff or anything. But sure. now you've got a little more competition fighting for that market share. So yeah. there, there is people trying to improve things it is people trying to offer other things and, and stuff like that. So Very cool. I think in the, in the long run, it, it's probably been, been better for the surfboard industry. Yeah. Do you notice a difference in the, in the foam quality and texture and like the way it, they all three of them have a slight difference in their, yeah. their texture and quality and, and the way they're made and the chemicals are made with, I'm sure. Yeah. But, Cause EPS but, is, is, vastly different than the PU oh, when yeah, you're shaping yeah, it's it. Totally it just kind of like yeah. goes everywhere and just tears differently, I guess is the best way well, to put it. Well, it's a completely different material to work with. It's not the same thing. Do you have a preference? Do you do you enjoy working with one versus the other, the final product? Um, they're different. I don't have a preference. To, I've, I enjoy working with both of them, mm. you know? Have you ever worked with wood products, bamboo, balsa, polonia, you ever tried making a wood surfboard? I actually I never have. I've got a balsa blank that I bought a long, long time ago, but I need to take it apart and chamber it. And it's just so much work. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days I'm going to do it, but I, it's, it's all glued together, but it's all solid. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to take, I'm going to cut it up and chamber it and everything to oh, do it. Cool. And, but uh, one of these days I will. I, I've had to shape a couple of balsa blanks for people. They brought me blanks before, so mm -hmm. I have done it for somebody. With the EPS blanks and working with epoxy, you I remember you started cutting rockers into your blanks. That's the way a lot of people were doing it. Yeah. You can you can um you buy a billet, a big square, and then you can you cut make your own blanks out of the big square. But now now they're doing a lot of different where they're instead of everything being formed into a big square, they're actually making molds for surfboard blanks. Did you find that difficult to make that transition? Because before, I think Clark was Not making like perfect, you know, whatever rockers. Would you alter those 
much or would you kind of skin or it, it's them and actually go with, really good because you can you can you can you can make whatever rocker you want mm. you know and it's and it's all you got to do is make up a template and do it and you can cut whatever rocker you want out of it whatever thickness whatever rocker you want so you enjoyed the ability to just do it oh it was great as, as it's great as far as that goes yeah as, as far as that goes i mean you want to you want to put camber in a board like a snowboard or something you can do it do Have it you done real that? easy no i haven't <laughs> but i'm just saying you could do it you can do it real easy you uh-huh. want to you want to you want a board that's super rockered that you can't get out of a, a surfboard blank you can buy you can do it you know mm. all you got to do is you've got this big block here so it, it really gives you a lot of a lot of opportunity to do whatever your heart desires as far as that goes yeah you're not you're not, you're not limited at all so for somebody who has never shaped before something they may or may not know is that when you're shaping a board i would say 99.9 percent of the time you're using a template which is usually made out of like luon or yeah. If you're starting out as a shaper, you don't have any templates to start drawing your outlines on. Where do you go from there? Like, how did you start developing shapes with nothing to really go off of? Did you actually like start designing your own templates? Uh, you probably took them off. I mean, most people probably took them off another board, and and then and then you would go from there. Basically, someone would come and come to you and say, I mean, probably for me, it would be someone would go, I got this board I really, really like. This is what I want. And you go, yeah. okay, so I'll take a template off it because I don't have a template to match this one. Mm. But then eventually you get, you start getting such a variety of templates that you, and you just adjust them from there. Yeah. You know, I, I've, I'm probably using templates today on some stuff that I've had for, for 20 years. And just, so it works, don't it, fix it. Well, it works and it's, it's got a good curve. And I may not use the template in the exact same way that I used it 20 years ago, but I'm still using that template because it's got a good, nice curve to it. I just may adjust it a little bit differently to make it work. And it's weird. There's probably templates that maybe 20 years ago I used constantly and they're just in the back of the pile and I never even touch them anymore. You know, it's because I've got just this stack of just variety of of stuff that you've just collected over the years. Yeah. I remember... I still have it actually shaping my very first surfboard and it was that little pumpkin thing. Yeah. The little, the little (laughs) disc. I, so I was actually in Australia on exchange in Newcastle and my buddy in Sydney had a a Keo. It was a fish. It was a twin fin swallowtail and I'd never ridden a fish. I didn't even have any desire to ride a fish, but I got on this thing and I was like, man, this thing is awesome. It's a little too skatey though. I don't like that skatey feeling i always you know growing up in hatteras i want drive like i need to get down the line and i need my board to hold a rail so i took that i took a template off of that brought it home i still use that template do you really yeah yeah i use the nose of it i was just gonna ask if you still had it i use the nose of it more than i do the tail no way for some reason it does the tail's a little straight i don't really like the tail part of it but the nose has a really nice curve (laughs) to it and i still use it I, i might use it for and I might not use the, the whole thing, but like I say, I'll use that nose to adjust it, yeah. maybe to get the nose that I want for somebody out of something. Oh, that's that's like, super cool. You know, I mean, it's and I make most of my templates out of the plastic, and that's the only one I've got that's made out of the uh, made out of the masonite. So masonite, that's what I was so, trying to think of. So that's, it's it's easy to find. That's cool. <laughs> 
That's but no, funny, I, I, I don't use the tail much on it for some reason. But I like. Oh, it's I, definitely I like got the a straight. It had a real straight, <laughs> real straight kind of tail on it that I really didn't like much. Yeah. And um, but I but it does have a nose and the nose the curve in the nose just the way it, it blends in. I still use it a lot. Cool. On even on. on, on and on some fishes and some, I may just even use it for like a hybrid board. Yeah. And I want to adjust the nose the right way. And I might just, uh, I might use it sometimes. Cause I yeah, like the I nose think curve. When I, I think when I, when I shaped that first board and then like the next two or three, cause I made, I made a few different versions. You had another, I think you had like a fun shape tail in there. Cause I wanted a round tail. And so I, I only used the nose, I think because it was a, template off of a fish a swallowtail fish um so yeah that's that's pretty neat that's really cool maybe throwing some people under the bus here but who is the worst at requesting a board and then asking you if his board's ready yet historically speaking oh i i, I couldn't even say i don't i don't even is know. there a couple uh i can't think of anybody i really this can't. is your chance no, to call I, them no, out no, publicly <laughs> No, I can't. I can't think of anyone that that. No, every, most everybody. You know, honestly, most everybody's pretty good. You'd really be surprised. It's, you know, but I I do my best to get them out as quick as I can. Yeah. No, there's been you know, and unfortunately, this past year, there's been a few times when I've been like, this has taken me way too long to get this guy's board out, and I, and it's but it's it's just beyond my control because yeah. we've been. I've had more boards orders than I can do. And it's just, you know, I mean, this year just set the record for a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. You know, so. Well, you're, and you're kind of a one man crew now, right? I you? am now. Yeah. I'm back to, you know, I went from being <laughs> working in my garage to just me doing the whole thing to getting involved in a big factory to always having somebody with me working and stuff. And now I'm, Pretty much back to a one-man crew again, doing all the shaping, glass, and finishing everything. Because you had, you had a few guys at one time. You had Tom and Freedom Rob and yeah. uh, Curtis. So I usually had somebody working with me. Yeah, but, you know it's, it's weird. There's just not that many, and it's not that I wouldn't have somebody else working with me. There's just not that many people interested in it. Yeah, but you know, honestly, most of the people that all except for Tom and and I love Tom. He went on to do carpentry. You know, but um. I mean, you take Lynn, you take Freedom Rob, you take Curtis, you know, they've all gone on and, and done their own thing. And and honestly, I'm kind of proud of that, you know, that's that, cool. that, that they've that they've been able to and and I'm I'm really happy for them that they've been able to go on, you know, that they don't instead of just working for me that and and to go on and, and do something on their own and be their own thing. You, you know what I mean? And I think that's, that's really good. And Tom, you know, in, in all fairness, he went on and he's doing his own contracting and, and stuff like that, but he just, he just got out of the surfboard industry. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I think that's good. I'm proud of that, you know, and, and Johnny yeah. Poitras, you know, he was, he worked for me too, but he does, um, he lives in California now and, and he, uh, he's a physical therapist. Oh, wow. Doing good. Actually, it was, I hadn't seen him in like 20 years. I built him a board this last winter he came back to the east coast and got him a built him a board and very cool he took it home yeah it was good to see him yeah so passing the torch yeah yeah so i mean it's you know it's good you know i mean curtis is doing his own thing he's doing the you know he's doing the short bus the skims and the, and the wakeboards and stuff and yeah you know and, and he put a lot of time and effort into it and doing he's, he's doing good you know and that's I'm, cool I'm, glad, I'm really glad for him 
Well, and now your son Hyatt, he's been working in the factory a too. Bit. He's in, been doing a little summer, bit for me right? this summer. It's been nice. It's been nice to have him. You know, he's been doing the ding repair and I doing a little bit of polishing and, and working in the shop and stuff like that. And Do you think he's going to start shaping? Has he expressed any interest he in it? He hasn't really expressed any interest in it, but, you know, he's a motor, you know, Jay, him, Jason, he's a motorhead. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to put a, put a car together that may or may not work. Yeah, he's a motorhead. That's funny. You know, Dude, that, I remember, that's fine, you know. <laughs> I remember working at the shop uh, in, like, high school and college, and he was, like, building rocket ships out of the cardboard boxes that we get stuff yeah. shipped in. You know, he loves cars, you know, I mean, that's his, his passion, you know, my passion was surfboards, you know, I just, I never set out for it to be, that's just the way it worked out. My passion became surfboards. He has a passion for cars. Yeah. I'm glad he does. Yeah. That's you cool. That's, that's all. That's cool. As far as design goes, there are shapers that kind of have their thing, their, their niche or their, I don't know. Like Maurice Cole is the reverse V guy. Simon Anderson was the Obviously thruster, the thruster guy. Yeah. You know, there there have been people over time that, you know, there's something that they either invented or just really stuck to as their thing. Because I'm fascinated by the curves. I'm always looking, you know, most people are like, how many liters is your board? Like, yeah, it drives me nuts. And I there are so many other things, even the fins, like the fins are more important, I think, than the amount of leaders in your board. But are there, are there aspects that you've kind of adopted over time, whether it's V or like single to double concave, like talk to me kind of about your philosophy of how you envision water flowing over the board. Like, what are you, what are you looking at when you're looking at a piece of foam with those lights coming in from the sides, showing you all the shadows? Like, what are you, uh, what are you Mostly seeing? I'm looking for the curves to flow real good. I think, you know, I'm looking for a good foil in the board. I like the, the board to, to flow nicely from, from nose to tail with the thickness in the, you know, the thickness in the right spot and thinning out nose to tail in, in the way I want it. Now, it may not always be the same for every board because somebody may go, you know, want, look, I'm heavier. I need a thicker tail. I want a thick tail to, to weight, but the other person may want a, a much thinner tail or the volume moved a little bit more forward in the board and stuff like that. But for me, it's mostly just, does the board, does the curves flow nice? Mm. You know, do they flow from one point to the other? There's no, no sharp, jagged places in it or, or anything like that. But did the curves flow real good? And that's kind of what I'm looking for more than anything. And even, even the bottom rocker, the bottom rocker doesn't flow nicely and, and stuff. There's no abrupt places where the curve flows too sharply. Mm. Have you, I'm sure over time you've been working and shaping and all of a sudden like the planer just kind of takes a dive and do you look at that, that blank and go, ah, I need to start over? Or do you try to work with what you've got and continue blending? Like how many, how many blanks have you ruined in your life? <laughs> There's probably been times when I, where I've had a blank where I don't want to say, I might just go, yeah, this isn't coming out the way I wanted it the way I wanted it to for somebody. And I may just say, well, I can, I can turn this one into a stock board or something like that. And it's not that there's anything wrong with it. I'll, I'll make the adjustments. <laughs> the stock I, boards are still good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, but I'll, I'll make the adjustments that I need to do to make it the way I want, but it won't be the board that was, that I was made shaping for this guy. So, gotcha. so it may happen once in a while, but I mean, even like, it's weird. Like even this, I, I actually, I, you, you mentioned Justin Brown 
and I shaped a board for him. This he came to me last year. He's and, really yeah, no way. And he wanted to, he he's he's actually building he's moving he's building a place in Hat. He's going to build a house back in Hatteras again. You know, he lives in Florida, but he's he bought a lot in Hatteras. No so way. He's, he, he, so he and he was he was up this year over Christmas. Spent two weeks over Christmas vacation back wow. in Hatteras and, and everything. So, anyways, he he was in he was up visiting last last cool. fall, and he says he came to me. He said, "Look, I want you to make me a board." I said, "Okay," and and. Justin, he's still, he likes his board still real thin, you know, but he's not a very big guy. And, uh, and he said, I want this, you know, I want this board for, for bigger waves to Hatteras to have when I, when I come back and, and stuff. But it wasn't, it wasn't what like we're, we're doing now where it's more volume forward and, and stuff. He still wanted it real thin and narrow and everything. And I was kind of like, in my mind, I was kind of, are you sure you really want this, Justin? <laughs> you know? <laughs> what did he order? What, how big is it? Uh, I, I think it was a 6'1 or, or are something like that. Are you going to make him a 6'4? Huh? Are you going to make him a 6'4? No, no, no. I, no it, but, and, and I told him this because, and it was like, he said, yeah, I wanna, I'm going to come back up next summer, this summer, and get it. And I started shaping it in the spring. And we've been doing, you know, I've been doing so many fishes lately and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, I'm doing this narrow, needle little board again. And it was weird. I kind of kept shape working on it and going, ah, I just don't like the way this thing is coming out. You know, it's really, it's really, it was really weird, you know, uh-huh. to me. And I could, and I was like, oh, I know Justin's going to be coming up here. I got to get this thing done. And, but I, and then when COVID hit, it was sort of like, oh, I know Justin's not coming up. And I stuck that thing in the back of the, I had it rough shaped and I stuck it in the back of the room and I was busy, so many busy with other customs. And I knew he didn't need it right away that I just kind of left it. And, uh, and I, and I even told him this. I said, yeah, I, I pulled it out like about August sometime. I got to get this done. I know he's going to come back up for fall. I got to get this board done for him. I pulled it back out and I started working on it again. And it was like, wow, I really like this thing. Oh, wow. You know, and it was like, and all of a sudden I got really into it and, and started shaping. I really liked the way it came out. And I, I hope he was happy with the way it came out. He picked it up when he was here at Christmas. But cool. it was... Uh, it's weird how sometimes things like like that happen. You yeah, know? and it's and even with with boards, sometimes I've made myself some boards and I've gone on them, and you just go, I don't really, you know, you, you kind of got in your mind what's how this board's gonna ride. Mm. You know, you, you, if you finish this board, you've shaped it, you go in your mind, you go, yeah, this is gonna ride this way, and oh, here's the day to take this board out. I'm gonna take this board out, and you're all excited, and you get out in the water, and you kind of go, huh. <laughs> that didn't really ride the way I wanted. I wanted it to, you know. And uh, and I've taken it and I put them in. I'll just be like, yeah, board's okay, and I'll put it aside or something like that. And then I may not even ride it for like three months or something. And then mm-hmm. one day I'll just go, I'm gonna go take that board out again. And I, and I've, I've taken it out and gone, this board rides pretty good. Do you, you know, th- do you think it's just it's, that it's feeling a men- it's of a mental like, thing or or maybe just the it's fresh because I haven't ridden it so like yeah maybe you know and and I've had other boards that it's weird I've had other boards sometimes where I I rode the board for like six months and everything and I go I love this board this board's just the greatest board you know get on another board and I'll be like yeah it's okay it's it's not as good as the one that I had before you know and I'll ride it for a couple months and I'll go. And I'll go make another one. I'll be like, yeah, this one's okay. But man, I really like that one that I had, you know, two boards ago. And I'll drag that board out and I'll take it out. And I'll be like, maybe I don't like this one as much as I used to. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So it even happens to you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, so it's it's weird. (laughs) I think a lot of times it's it's a mental thing or Mm. it's just, 
it's just, you know, different days. I mean, you're just in, in different moods and, and boards ride differently sometimes and the waves have different moods. So. Yeah. So sometimes that's yeah. just the way it is, you know. Does that ever, as a, especially as like an early blossoming shaper, did that ever make you nervous having to make boards for people who are giving you money for them? Thinking like, oh, I really hope this board works. Looks like it's going to work, but like, was there ever, ever, ever any like trepidation about that? really think so no i'm just like this is no, gonna work kind of like oh, well it was yeah i always felt like it would work and hopefully it would work for the way he was he was wanting it to work mm. it, would, it would do what it was for what he wanted how he wanted it to work yeah i never yeah i was yeah i always felt like i could do it you know cool very cool how many boards would you say you have shaped in your lifetime oh, don't even ask me because <laughs> i don't know i don't have a clue you, you <laughs> keep you put, I, you know, you put but serial not many, numbers but not, yeah but not as but i i the way i do my serial numbers now and the way i do it is i do it so i know when the board was made yeah not explain so to me your numbers because i i look at I, them i put, I put I the i put the, the first two numbers of the year the second two numbers of the month okay and the next numbers are the, are the are the number of the board that year of the board that year. Right. So I can look at that board and I can say, I can look at that number and I can say, okay, this was made in, in 2000, in, in June of 2008. And it was the 50th board I built that year or something cool. like that. So I, right. that's how I, that's how I number and what I can, how I tell the numbers. So gotcha. I got, I've got the year, the first two numbers denote the year, or the second two numbers will denote the month that was made or shaped. Yeah. And then rather numbers of the number, the number of the board that year. Okay. That's the way I do it. So I can always, if someone comes to me and they, and they go, I got this old board right here. When do you think it was made? I can tell them when it was made. Mm. Or if they're like, yeah, you built me a board a few years ago. It was like, I don't know, 1995. Yeah. <laughs> can you look it up and see what it was? And it makes it real easy for me to look it up yeah. too. If someone gives you me- You keep a, all your notebooks? Well, I keep my notebooks. So if someone, someone calls me and says- you know, oh, I, I really like that board you made for me, and they give me the number off it. I can look that number up real quick, and I and I've got my notes as to as to what blanket was shaped out of, oh, and, cool. and the dimensions of it, and everything else. Nice, yeah. nice, and that's all handwritten. Like those are. Oh in, yeah, that's just all. Those are in journals, right? Yeah, those aren't. Much. You haven't put anything in spreadsheets. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, I already know how you feel about this, but uh, and I don't remember when this happened, but. I want to say it was sometime around the Clark foam thing. You can correct me. When the CNC machines started taking over the surfboard shaping industry for mass distribution, you did you ever even toy with that idea, or were you just like, no, um, I'm good? I did a little bit. I, I one time, and I'm not against them. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think they definitely have their place, and and they're really good for certain things, you know. And I could see where people like Channel Islands and stuff that want to do a model and want to do, you know, they want to do a hundred of the, the thing. I mean, I mean, they're great for that. They really are. Yeah. And, um, and the, the CNC machines do a great job. But one time I was, you know, and, and Lynn uses a CNC machine a lot for a lot of the stuff he, he wants to do. And uh, he said, yeah, you know, David Barnes has that machine. Let's go up and use his. So, we took a board of mine and I, it was just a real basic board, but we took the dimensions on it and everything and did it and, and they cut it out. I took the board home to finish it. And it was really weird when I was done with it. 
it didn't feel like I, sh- I shaped the board. <laughs> it was very, it was a real, I had a real strange feeling. I just, I uh. just didn't like the feeling for some reason. <laughs> I can't explain it. I yeah. just, I just didn't like the feeling of going. Of, did, it felt artificial. It, I, it, I don't know what, it didn't feel like I did it. Yeah. It didn't feel like I shaped that board is, mm. is what it, 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 to me, it just was like, it didn't feel like it was one of my shapes. And so I've just never really, I just, it's just done them by hand. And that's did just, you finish it out? Like, did you ride it? And- I finished it out. Yeah. I didn't ride it. It wasn't, it was just like a, like a fun shape type of board oh, okay. that we made and put it in the shop. For you didn't sale. take and your there favorite was nothing, board There was nothing there? wrong with the board. It just, it just, when I was done, it just didn't feel like mine I, it's all i can say it was it was a, it was a real strange feeling that i got but i'm not against them or anything like that they obviously have have their place and they do a i don't know man that t-shirt job, that but, i gave you uh, says yeah. otherwise <laughs> <laughs> so um but uh no they're they i'm not against them because they it certainly saves a lot of time for some people and yeah. And if you wanna if you wanna do the same board over and over again, I mean, I don't care how good a shaper you are, you can you're gonna you can come close, but you're not gonna do it perfect. Yeah, if you got that magic board and you want another magic board. And you know, but even even with the machines, if you want another magic board, I don't think you get that same magic board. I think there's still so feel many like little there's variables a margin in of yeah, error. There's a margin for error there and and how is it glass to sanded it? You know, mm. just a lot of different different things like that. The, yeah. the, they talk about the stringer wood being different in the blank or, or something. But but for somebody who like like I say that wants to do a certain model and do a, a lot of the same board, it, it's a great tool. Gotcha. It's kind of it's kind of had this friend one time who's an artist, and, and we talked about it when all the com- the computer stuff came, started coming out and. and and stuff and i and and he was he's he's a very good graphic artist extremely good and um and we were talking about it and i said and i said well are you kind of bummed with the the computer doing all this work and stuff like that and he said no he goes it's 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 like another brush it's just it's it's part of the tool you know it's what you can do with what you can do with it yeah and so i mean there's a there's a lot a lot of work and, and a lot of time into getting those computer shapes the way you want them. You know, I, I know Lynn's real good friends with Eric Arakawa and, and he's has, and Lynn has told me he's spent a lot of time learning how to do that and yeah. putting, and putting them into the, you know, putting that into the computer system to make the boards work the way he wants, you know? So, wow. I mean, there, I really appreciate all that work and stuff that people yeah. do. So it's, it's not like the computer's doing it all. It, you still need a human being to do that work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Scott, thanks so much, man. Sure. It was really, really good to see you. Yeah. Good to see you too. Glad we got to do this in person. Okay. At the, uh, local I hope it pizza all works shop. out for you. Yeah, man. I think it'll be good <laughs> and, uh, keep, keep up the good work and okay. we'll, uh, see you later. Yep. Huge thanks again to my very special guest, Scott Busby from Natural Art Surf Shop. If you're ever in Buxton, North Carolina, in the Outer Banks, check him out. He's on the web at surfintheye.com and on Instagram at surfintheye. The music for this episode was provided by my band, The Mid-Atlantic, and we are working on a new album right now. That song is called Lonely Roads, and we hope to have it out in the near future. So keep your eyes open for that. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and our website, themidatlanticband.com. And until next time, I hope to see you in the water.